welcome to Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. In these episodes, we connect with courageous women sharing their healing journey story. Are you ready to align your thoughts with your heart? If thoughts were a person and came knocking on the door, would you let them in? When you can stop and think about what you're thinking, shifts happen. Welcome to this week's episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside. Today we have a beautiful guest, Sarah Jane Smith. She is an embodiment teacher and life coach who helps fellow childless, not by choice women reestablish trust and connection with themselves and their bodies. And it's so powerful, our minds and our bodies, how everything is just interconnected and interrelated. You know, when we receive our thoughts, it creates this emotion in our heart. And then we use our hands to get the results. And when it's not in an alignment, our heart's desires get gets confused and we really kind of get stuck in, in this pain from the past that doesn't help us to move forward. And Sarah Jane has done an amazing job. She's going to share with you today her story of her journey about going through a struggle with her body. So thank you, Sarah Jane, so much for being here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. I know we're going to talk about forgiving yours truly, in a, and I'll let you tell the story. So where were you at before? And what was, tell us a little bit of the journey about the struggle that you had, this conflict with your body and your mind. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So in my journey to being childless, not by choice, I had a, a long struggle with infertility um, and had multiple miscarriages. And so along the way, um, there was sort of an ever eroding loss of confidence in my body that turned into sort of a dislike and having sort of a negative relationship with my body. Like it couldn't do what it was quote unquote supposed to do or what I saw other women's bodies doing around me seemingly just freely and easily, you know, that's an assumption. And every pregnant woman I saw, of course, I didn't know their story, but um, that's just where my mind went to. So it, it uh, the infertility journey was about eight years and ended with me having a hysterectomy in 2018 wow. because of a chronic illness. And so that ended my journey to trying to expand my family through having a baby and what led me to being childless, not by choice. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. How did you respond when you received that news? The news that of having the hysterectomy? Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was mixed because of um, so long trying. It just felt like an endless road. And there's a lot of, I had internalized a lot of the sort of chatter of the, sort of infertility movement to like never give up, never give up hope, you know, your day will come, your miracle will happen, that kind of thing. So it felt like I didn't have a chance or that I, that I wasn't doing the right thing if I decided to stop trying to conceive after losses and so long doing it. It's, it's very wearing physically, mentally, and emotionally to be in that 
state for years and years and years and compounding grief and loss and just feeling more and more isolated. So having the diagnosis that I needed to get a hysterectomy was almost like the permission that I needed to, to say, okay, enough is enough um, Mm. without having to sort of deal with those constant thoughts of like, well, what if we just kept trying? What if we'd done this? What if we'd done that? It just sort of like was a line in the sand to say like, okay, it's over. So it was definitely mixed. Yes, there was a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, but it was also the beginning of opening the door to forgiveness and acceptance of the way my life is. Yeah. What was the the pivot point that helped you to realize that you could forgive yourself and, you know, understand and realize that you weren't going to be able to raise children that you bore naturally? And because you could adopt, or did you end up adopting any children or? No, no. Um, yeah, the, the hysterectomy was a, was, I would say the only pivot point. Every other um sort of change along the way was incremental. You know, it's from going from eight years trying to to conceive and having multiple losses. It's then a slow road out the other side, right? It's not just like a, um, okay, well, now I forgive myself and now I accept it. You know, mm-hmm. even after having the hysterectomy, there was a, a certain amount of grieving that still needed to be done that... Um, that it was the actual end because up until that point, even though all signs had been showing that I wasn't going to be able to sustain a pregnancy and have a baby, there was still hope. So living every month with, with the hope and then feeling devastated when I got my period every month. So up until having the hysterectomy, it was just the same cycle over and over again. So it took quite a while. So I'm four years away from that surgery now. And it keeps improving. You know, I I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm at a point where yes, I've uh, fully accepted it. And yes, I've forgiven my body. But just like any other grief, you know, it sort of is with you in some shape or form, for the rest of your life. And depending on other things that are happening, the amount of forgiveness and the amount of uh, acceptance can can fluctuate up and down, just like any other uh, feelings and emotions. And I think it's quite unreasonable to even shoot for like 100% from this moment on, I uh, feel Uh, I accept and I forgive myself because that's kind of unrealistic because we will all have um, times and depending on what else is going on in our lives, when things sort of fluctuate, you know, you might have a bit of a down day and different thoughts come in, but then the next day or a few days later, it might shift. Yeah, I um, have a similar experience and I've talked to a lot of ladies and the month of May, we did a podcast blast um, sharing the secret. And one thing about loss of a child is you never stop grieving and you always are going to remember, just like you said, and your body remembers. And there's certain times of the year, the days, the months, seasons that you all of a sudden are triggered and you might all of a sudden just feel sad or feel like crying. And 
um, it, 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 when you ignore those feelings, that's when it becomes more painful, when you could just receive and process that information. Um, and forgiveness is a big thing because I know a lot of women thought that they forgave themselves, thought that they forgave their bodies, but they still struggled with that. And, um, you know, one of my most fun things to do, I like taking challenges is to do a word challenge. And I like to get to the root cause of the matter and of the word. And forgiveness is often so misunderstood because it's just, I forgive myself. I forgive you, period. It's over. It's done. But that doesn't mean you're not going to still feel the resentment, the anger, the frustration, or the joy or whatever. But looking at that particular trauma, you know, and it's for every anything, loss of a child. But I think when you have that loss, you know, the, the hopes and the dreams and what could have been and never came to materialize, it just was abruptly ended with no control. Um, and sometimes women feel like their power was taken away from them. Have you, did you feel that way that you had your power taken away when you were going through eight years is a long time um, to have that and to be continuously disappointed. So I have two questions. My first question is, did you feel your power was taken away? And secondly, how did you handle and work through that? Hmm. Yeah, I, it's kind of a bit of semantics, but uh, feeling like my power was taken away sort of implies that somebody or something was taking it away from me. And I don't necessarily identify with that, but however, I do identify with feeling powerless. And there's a slight difference there for me. Um, and that, yeah, that I, I couldn't do anything to change my situation. So I did feel powerless in mm-hmm. that scenario for sure. Um, and one thing that helped me sort of turn that around is the practice of self-compassion. And so that's one of the main foundation of what I do or the work that I do with uh, myself, but with other childless women is this practice of embodied self-compassion. So it is um, the mind and the body together, not just thinking the thoughts of self-compassion, but also being aware of how your body responds and uh, knowing that the body is uh, a really great ally out there in the world and can tell us so, so much and give us uh, so many um, clues and insights as to, you know, sort of our, our values, our intuition and our desires, that kind of thing. And so I teach and practice this thing called embodied self-compassion. So my definition of it is coming home to yourself and meeting all parts of yourself with kindness and compassion. So you have all those uh, feelings like you were talking about, you know, you, you might forgive, we do forgive, we do accept. And there's all of this other, these other feelings over here. So mm-hmm. it's not covering up. Uh, feelings that are harder to feel or that are considered negative or unuseful emotions like resentment, anger. Um, But it is recognizing and making space for those emotions within yourself and Mm -hmm. meeting. It's almost like you would, like you would meet a friend 
who's experiencing the same thing, but you're creating the space and meeting yourself. So the kind, compassionate part of yourself is meeting the part of yourself that feels angry and resentful Mm -hmm. and integrating that, not necessarily trying to change it, Mm -hmm. but noticing, oh, I feel angry. This is how it feels to be angry. Mm -hmm. And knowing on connecting that other people feel this way too. You know, so sort of like the um, three um, main sort of tenets of self-compassion or mindfulness. So like noticing, oh yeah, I am feeling anger right now. Mm-hmm. The second one is shared humanity. So it helps us to bring ourselves sort of like out of isolation when we recognize and acknowledge that we're not the only ones feeling this way. Um, sort of knowing and connecting that all childless women at some point do feel or have felt the same thing that I feel. So it brings us into this sense of belonging. And then the third one is offering kindness to those parts of Mm -hmm. yourself. So it's kind of like a three-step process. Oh, that's beautiful. And do you incorporate journaling with that or is it just um, going through? Definitely journaling. So um, by yourself but in groups it's also really powerful then to share what you've written because then that mm-hmm. adds in the other uh, another layer of shared humanity and been in lots of groups where we've done a, a practice of self-compassion we've had some journaling prompts and then it's a free form sharing you know you can share whatever you want you can read exact sentences you can talk about your experience you can just read certain words and there's the look of uh, familiarity on everyone's faces of like oh yeah I've felt that I understand that I know that then adds to that that layer of shared humanity that's beautiful. It's similar. I'm a, a certified aroma freedom practitioner. We use aroma cognitive technique to work through that, connecting all five senses with our thoughts. And like you said, there's no there's no negative or you know good feelings. All feelings matter. We're created to experience every emotion. And a lot of times we don't want to experience anger because it it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it takes more energy when you ignore it, and then it. it Festers. Years ago, I did a retreat um, on feelings, and we were talking about the you know four different types of stuffing your feeling, you know, stuff and explode, and I, the other two escaped me. But I used to be that stuff and explode. I'd let things go and hide, and I wouldn't talk about it. And then something would trigger me, and you'd see like you know World War Three happen <laughs> in my words that I used in my body language. So it is, it's, it's incredible how that just automatically does that when you can center yourself and focus. And I like that. I love threes and seven. So I love the fact that you have like this three, three step process where you can just connect and really talk. And how do you find like when ladies come together um, in a group setting, do you find that people are shy that they don't like to share or do you get like a lot of engagement? Yeah, it really depends on on the people and where they're at in their journey. You know, it's a lot of times uh, people come to childlessness and they may have never spoken to anybody outside of, you know, their, their doctor or their partner um, or, you know, maybe one friend about their experience and about childlessness. Because a lot of it, even though there's so many women who experience it, it's kind of one of those things. Like we're an invisible 
uh, group in society, even though there's so many of us. So, and it also depends on where someone is at in their journey to acceptance, you know, sort of their, if it's new that they have only, you know, known uh, their, their status for uh, a little bit, they might be more shy. Others are really looking for connection. So I think it really uh, depends on, on those things as well as someone's personality. You know, we do um, Mm. most of our work online, which I find is a really great, way to meet because people are comfortable they're in their own homes if they decide that it's like it's too much they've been triggered they can turn off their camera they could even leave the call you know there's so much uh more agency with this sort of uh, online uh way of meeting and so much more safety yes yes that was the word that came to mind for me you know you have that safe place Totally. You can come in at your own pace and just have that freedom. And a lot of times, you know, when we hear each other's testimonies um, and the stories and and what another person is going through, you can really, you know, it really relates to you personally and you can get so much healing that way. Mm -hmm. So do you have an open program or do you have certain times where people can join? Yeah, certain times the next, uh, I have a six week course coming up, uh, launching, um, maybe sort of mid September, beginning of October. And so it's sort of a a six week intensive where we meet twice a week online. One of the calls is to do embodiment practices. I'm a long time yoga teacher. So that's how I sort of like came into this. Um, so I have a lot of experience working with the body and emotions that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do these embodiment practices of, uh, trauma informed yoga, breath, uh, exercises, meditation. Mm-hmm. And then, um, on the other call we do journaling, sharing, um, that kind of thing. Oh, and I love a really great, uh, sort of tight knit group of women who are there for each other and sharing freely. And there's an incredible, um, healing happens. Oh yeah. Especially when you incorporate yoga. I I recently got into yoga last year after I I had a full hysterectomy in January of 21 and wasn't able to do, I was doing HIIT workouts and using a plyo box. And I was like, Oh, you can't do any of that. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, well, well, I need to do something. So I got into yoga and it just, at first I had a hard time adjusting to it because it was so centered. (laughs) Now I enjoy it. So now I incorporate it. Um, You know, now I can fully work out, but I, I do yoga once a week and I just really, really enjoy it. I gotta say downward dog is my favorite. (laughs) Something about stretching that way is just, Mm. uh, and I was really proud of myself because someday I want to get my friend accomplished this doing a handstand. I was like, wow, she does aerial yoga. I was like, so I can balance on one leg. So we'll see about the, I said, someday I'll work my way up to that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. incredible how, you know, you, you build so much strength just with your own body. So I love that. That's that you have that incorporated and it's such a beautiful practice and yeah, the power of the breath. Amazing. Very, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I teach a specific style that is a bit different than you might find in a yoga studio. It's a trauma-informed yoga. So there is, it's not focused on building strength or building flexibility or like working up towards big poses like 
handstands and that's all great but that's a different style you know yeah. uh, so it this is very much um self-guided as much as something that's being guided by somebody else can be self-guided so right. I might say something like raise your arms up above your head to a height that works with your shoulders okay. you know so you might see people you know sort of doing this or doing this or some people will have full extension but what it does it is it invites the the practitioner into the conversation they're not just blindly following directions they have to think like oh well what is a height that works for my shoulders what does that even mean like yeah. and it might change every day so yeah. it's through this movement through you know um you know instructed movement it's helping people with agency with taking control of what they're doing with their body and uh, and making all the decisions, but within the context of everybody else doing that as well. And because right. we practice online, the participants can't see each other, but I can see all of them and everybody is doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the point of it. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, how can our audience that um, would love to connect with you, what's the best way to uh, reach out and get acquainted with your programs and learn more about you? Yeah. So two ways uh, through my website, which is embodiedpossibility.com. And then I'm also very active on Instagram at embodied possibility. Okay. Beautiful. And those links will be in the description. So thank you so much for just being here and sharing your story and um, your amazing healing journey and, and how you incorporated something you already had inside of you. It just made it to share with others and to have that support. Um, and like you said, there's so many women out there that feel that they're alone. And if you're listening to this, you know that you're not. And if you want to hear more stories, check out May of 2022. Every single day, there's a story of a woman sharing a loss of a child, whether through abortion, miscarriage, or stillborn or death due to illness or what have you, there's so much support. Um, and it's a safe, non-judgmental place to be um, connecting with any of the coaches that had shared their stories. Um, and always, if you need to want to connect with somebody, you're not sure, reach out to me. I will get you to the right person um, because I really want you to be on this healing journey and to understand and know that you are designed for greatness. And when you could heal, when you reveal, you do heal. Um, so be sure to connect with Sarah Jane, especially if you want to check out this yoga. I'm intrigued. Uh, and thank you so much for being here. Remember, everything that we do, it's a matter of the heart. Thank you for listening to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I hope that this episode connected with your heart to help you get shifts that happen. Want to create abundance? Let's connect your heart-centered desires to create limitless abundance. In a 20-minute solution call, I help courageous women post-abortion, miscarriage, or loss of a child foster a heart of gratitude without journaling using the power of breath and thoughts. Receive the possible. Book your call today. Link is in the description. Wealth is all around you.